So do you have an idea for an opening bit this week? Nope. No, neither do I. And here's what I'm thinking. This is one of their biggest, this is one of Relying K's biggest songs. Yeah. So potentially a lot of people will just hear this episode and decide if they're going to listen to the rest of our show. So we need something really, really good. It's a lot of pressure. To open it up. So people know <laughs> and forgive us when they listen to other episodes. And it, we have It was bad really good to start to out this episode. episode by stumbling through this opening part. That really engages listeners. Welcome to the show. <laughs> this is no place to try and live my life. Stop my grins exactly where I'll stay. See that line, I never should have crossed it. Stop right there, I never should have said that. It's the very moment that I wish that I could take back. Stop right there, that's exactly where I lost it. Where I never should have crossed it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Welcome to Sadie Halfway Pod. That's right. Yes. Special promotional events. You keep pitching this Sadie Halfway Pod, and I keep being like, like thinking of a halfway house. That's all I can think of every time you say it, (laughs) instead of halfway through the discography yeah i guess oh boy i I hope no one thought that that's the word halfway is a wet is a word so i guess it just okay well now thanks thanks for ruining it oops not trying to not trying to like offend anyone who has drug addiction problems well maybe we'll workshop it but we're welcome to say the halfway i just threw you it's totally fine but uh yeah so this week, we kind of realized, I realized, because I was looking, I was updating our spreadsheet and, you know, checking off the songs we've done. And I realized we're halfway through our spreadsheet of Reliant K songs. That doesn't necessarily mean that this show is exactly at the halfway point, because we're going to do individual episodes of songs from the Earthquakes album from uh, Wind Up Bird. Right. And we're going to redo older episodes eventually. And hopefully, knock on wood, we'll be getting some some new Reliant K content at some point. Yeah. So we'll have to do those songs. So this isn't specifically, like, we didn't start out on this show. Like, I think in our Zero episode, I was even, like, non-committal. Like, we'll, <laughs> we'll try to do every Reliant K song. Right. But ultimately, we're, we're doing it. We're going for it. But it's just like, yeah, this it's, it's, a, it's a momentous moment when I realized, hey, we're halfway through the main list yeah so i was like well this is sadie halfway pod halfway pod and how are we celebrating well we're celebrating with this special uh anticlimactic promotional event (laughs) so yeah it's a promotional title for the show like you know saying et and his adventures on earth that's not the official title right or edge of tomorrow live die repeat that's not the official title so you're saying we're not changing the name of the podcast we're not actually changing the name of the podcast but we're just noting that we're halfway through the spreadsheet and we i i just want to say you've made this event sound way more exciting than just you're gonna have to listen to us talk about the same two songs for a full month well that's what we're doing specifically we kind of like fell backwards into you know scheduling who i am hates who i've been and be my escape around the same time it actually had something more to do with the fact that we have guests for these songs yeah and i was like oh i kind of double i kind of booked them in the same time oh no we're doing mm-hmm 
like not only are we doing two mm-hmm songs back to back, but we're doing the two biggest songs. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, mm-hmm. so yeah, I started first. thinking about it. <laughs> and then when I realized we were halfway through the spreadsheet, I'm like, well, yeah, that's what we're doing. Because there's a number of things that in this year and a half of doing this show, there's a number of things we've learned and grown with as far as doing a podcast. Sure. I think as far as our talent as podcasters, I think we've hit a ceiling. Oh, yeah. I don't think we're going to... We're definitely better than we were a year and a half ago. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. We're definitely better than we were like 85 weeks ago. But I don't think we're going to get better from here. So I feel like from here, we should think of it as like we're entering a new chapter. Like we've done it. Like this is almost like the end of season one. Of season yeah, at least far. we made it this far and at it all least looks we made good it this from far. there. <laughs> And so to be doing what are essentially Reliant K's two biggest songs from a from a a standpoint, I mean, there are obviously songs that might be bigger in the Reliant K community. Right. But these are objectively their biggest songs to the world at large. Because yeah. these are their two top songs on Spotify, and I assume any other streaming service. And these are their two biggest charting singles of all time. These have had the biggest mainstream success because this week we're doing this for the next two weeks, we're doing who I am, me too, I've been. And then the two weeks after that, we're doing be my escape. And the other thing is like, you would think of most song by song podcasts as sort of like saving the big songs for towards the end. But I'm like, who I am, me too, I've been and be my escape are so ubiquitous that I don't have a ton to say about them. Right. So I kind of want to celebrate the halfway point with getting these songs done now. And it also help like kind of dictate the second half, quote unquote, of the show. So because these are such major songs, there's going to be a lot of work for us, but we're going to do, like I said, two parters for the next two, four weeks. Today is part one of who I am. It's who I've been, uh, who I am. It's who I've been part two is next week. And then the two parter for be my escape previously, a couple weeks ago, I said, we were going to spread the be my escape two-parter out by like a couple weeks but i've we've gone back on that we changed our mind so it's all part of sadie halfway pod that's right well happy saint patrick's day as we as we move (laughs) on from from house cleaning top of the top of the show business (laughs) um yeah happy saint patrick's day happy saint patrick's day if you celebrate top of the morning to you get yourself a cookie opus that's right (laughs) (laughs) jessica when i when jessica and i like we were just engaged or married. We were living in the New Jersey, New York area, and she had never heard of a cookie puss, right? I don't think you had. No, I What I recall, I'm... this is one of those memories where I'm like, I feel like you might not remember. I the same thought way, you were like being you like weird or dirty or that something. I, was making something I thought up. he was making You it had up. heard of Carvel cakes. Yeah. And you had certainly seen like references and you'd been to a Carvel in your life, but in the places you lived, Carvel was not... Um, like a like a special thing no. that everyone like when I grew up in the Northeast in the Boston area, Carvel was a special thing. I actually don't think they really have them there anymore. Brewsters the 80s, and Twisty Treat, I think, were like the two bigger kind of ones gotcha. in in the South that we that we had. Yeah, Carvel, the area of the South that I grew up in, or the couple areas of the South that I grew up in, Carvel was not like a thing. And I'm sure that if you wanted an ice cream cake, like, and you went to the store, they had the Carvel cakes in the freezer section, but like. I have no memory of going into a standalone Carvel or of their um, themed cakes. Like, I certainly had ice cream cakes growing up at birthday parties, but not like a Fudgy the Whale or a Cookie Puss or anything. Today, you can pretty much go into any grocery store across most of the country and get a Carvel cake out of the freezer section. 
but the Carvel themed character cakes are only available at standalone stores and they're not even available at all standalone stores. It's still a regional thing. And in like 2009, I told Jessica like about, I made a joke about a cookie opus and she thought I was making up something dirty. And I'm like, no. And it took me some convincing. I had to show her YouTube videos. And then she was totally charmed by cookie puss and cookie opus. And, and we got one and we had to for drive. St. Patrick's Day. We had to drive to, because <laughs> again, not every standalone Carvel has the character cakes. We had to drive to Princeton. Because we were living in New York City at the yeah. time. So we drove to Princeton, New Jersey to find a Carvel. Yeah. That where the school, where the college is. And they had a Carvel there that had character cakes. And so I got her a cookie puss. <laughs> is that as loud as it is? It's a VHS This is as loud as it goes. Let me try a different one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the commercials are amazing. Everybody. Ice cream. The family is your own Carvel ice cream store. Love to make a I'm going to post this on St. Patrick's Day before the episode comes out. God bless Tom Carvel. <laughs> and I love when he's like mur- and how he his possible murder. murder. Yeah, I love how he's like. Welcome to Carvel, the beautiful and waiting for you. There's one of the commercials where he calls the cakes. He's like, the beautiful and waiting to be taken home. Like, I can't do the gravel, but like, <laughs> yeah. So, Kokiopos. So Kokiopos. So for those of you listening to us for the first time, because we're doing Who I Am, It's Who I've Been, welcome. Welcome. This is what the show is like. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm waiting for Netflix or HBO Max to do the uh, Tom Carvel Was He Murdered by docuseries. Wonderful. <laughs> um, I'm going to go on. I finally joined Reddit. Like, I finally came into the 21st century, and right. I'm on Reddit now. And because I do, I do love the true crime, a friend of mine just sent me this SNL thing that was like, it's got to be the best thing SNL's done since, I don't know, the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, where it's called Murder Show. Mm-hmm. And she sent it to me yesterday. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so true. This is like so me. <laughs> I think it's like most women, to be honest. <laughs> Jessica loves true crime. Ladies love true well, crime. <laughs> ladies love, you know, LL Cool J's name stands for Ladies Love Cool James. Yeah. He should change his name to Ladies Love <laughs> LL Cool L- L- TC, <laughs> ladies love true crime. LL Trucy. Here, you want to watch this? Because you haven't seen this yet. Oh, uh, okay. We and won't then, watch the whole thing. And then we'll start getting into the real meat of the podcast. What do you do? I don't know, just finish up work and relax. Okay, well, don't miss me too much. I will. All right, bye. I don't know who any of these SNL people are. Okay, that was Nick Jonas. <laughs> Oh, it's a music video. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's true. Women love murder shows. Yeah. Jessica loves That's true crime. how you unwind. Ladies love true crime. I won't play the rest for you, but there was a, there's this part. Towards... <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to take the form of a music video. Oh, sorry. You told me I the basic premise you. earlier, but you didn't warn me it was a music video. There's this part where it's like after I've finished like 
watching this series on this specific killer, I'm going to go listen to a podcast about that same killer. And I'm like, OMG, that is 100% me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you love true crime, but I love voicemails from our listeners. So we have a voicemail. Smooth transition. We have a voicemail that we've actually been sitting on for a couple weeks because we have had packed shows recently. This is from Sean, and he's calling about past episodes. And that's so fitting because this is the quote-unquote season finale of (laughs) Sadie Hawkins' pod. Right. So the four-part season finale. So it's fitting to look. Sean can help us look back at our first season as he's listening through episodes for the first time. Hey, Dan and Jeff, this is Sean from Pennsylvania again. I wanted to call in about this song, but I wanted to wait until I got a little more caught up listening back through the uh, episodes and everything, and a little more than halfway through now, so I figured better do it now. But anyway, wanted to uh, also, fair warning, this might end up being a two-parter. Appropriate ties in, two-parter. <laughs> nice, yes. <laughs> Actually, he left... We planned this. Yes, and then he also left a third voicemail about a different song that we'll play in another episode. But let's continue with this particular voicemail, which I just lost where <laughs> Sorry. we were. Through the magic of editing, you at home will have no idea we lost our place. <laughs> I wanted to talk about faking my own suicide, which, first off, major props for diving into perhaps one of the more controversial songs right after doing your initial run of all the first tracks. That was you know, pretty bold, but I just got to say, I pretty much agree with Jess on this one. The song just, uh, as I got older and everything, just kind of took on a whole less appealing feel to it, to me and everything, which is just kind of weird to me because for the longest time, Five Score, like from the moment it came out, was like my favorite Reliant K album. Uh, and it was for many years, even past, you know, like forget not slow down and everything. For I, I was, you know, like wholly embracing the transition into, you know, what I call pop rock reliant K. I thought it had some of their best songs. It has some like really fantastic songs on it and everything. But it's just like over time, the, the faking my own suicide, uh, and, uh, even deathbed to a lesser extent, but that's another phone call kind of just taints the whole album and it's like I can't I can't hold it up there with what I consider to be my favorites now I mean it's still like top five obviously but it's just not there and really faking my own suicide is the biggest drawback I mean I I kind of understand where Danny's coming from and saying that it's you know satirical or it's it's not meant to be taken seriously uh and because you know I I'm pretty sure no one thinks that Matt Thiessen is serious whenever he says that he wants to fake his own suicide and everything. I don't think anyone would be. It's just, you know, I feel like Danny made a comment about, or maybe it didn't, I don't know. I, I kind of drew a comparison to Randy Newman uh, with his satirical songs and everything, uh, most notably Short People, you know, where he's talking about how he doesn't like short people and doesn't want them around and everything. But I feel like the main difference between like Randy Newman and are you familiar with Randy Newman, aside from, like, Toy Story and the Family Guy bit from the early season of Family Guy? I Like, am the lady not. takes a bite of an apple. So, yeah, his songs are very satirical and very, like, silly and stuff without being specifically comedy music. And there It's is a, a name that I've heard, yeah. but I'm not familiar with. Well, you mainly know him from the Toy Story Maybe. songs. Maybe. So... Oh, does he do You Got a Friend in Me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. 
And, uh, yeah, so there's a song where he's like, I hate short people. Gotcha. <laughs> and I guess it's like, I can't remember. I have heard the song, but I don't remember now if he's talking about, you know, little people is the preferred term. Right. For people who have, like, dwarfism and, and genetic reasons for being short. But I don't know if it was, like, he's actually mocking people like that or if he's actually... Uh, just referring to people who are a little shorter. Right. I don't remember. But yeah, it's like a weird, almost ableist song huh. in hindsight, whereas maybe it was not taken that way in the 70s or maybe probably it was never not. intended as that way. Yeah, probably not. I can see how there's a comparison here to Faking My Own Suicide, where the the real ramifications of su- of such an idea in reality don't necessarily hit you when you first hear the song. And then you think about it more, especially as... You know, there's more uh, consciousness in the world at large for these kind of issues. Right. I totally see the connection here that uh, Sean is getting at. Faking My Own Suicide is a Randy Newman song, just like with the way it sounds. Somehow the way that he wrote that song, you know that he is just not being serious and this is ridiculous and you're not supposed to take it seriously. And I just feel like the way that Faking My Own Suicide is presented, the way it sounds, and, and the way that it's put on this album that has sincere love songs on it and all these other just really sincere songs it's placement it the the actual meaning if it is intended to be taken you know like completely unseriously like it's a joke song it just gets lost and it's also like you know this album came out in 2007 i was like 16 or 17 when this came out i was a teenage boy who you know had crushes on girls and you know how you know none of us fully know how to process our feelings and everything like that at that age oh i feel like we're getting numb to people who are like telling who are basically implying they were born in the 90s of the 2000s right (laughs) (laughs) it used to be you would hear something like jessica would hear something like that and she'd be like oh oh (laughs) yeah i was like 19 when this album came out (laughs) okay so you're not that much older than him yeah i was like 25? (laughs) You were like like 23. Okay. (laughs) And it's, you know, juxtaposed against these love songs and you're kind of like, oh, what girl's going to be my best thing? And what what girl am I going to say I must have done something right about and everything? And then you have Faking My Own Suicide, which if you have a boy like me who's dealing with unrequited feelings and everything – you kind of wonder, well, what kind of grand gesture is it going to take for this girl to notice? And I, I don't know. It, it just, I feel like some people can easily take this the wrong way. I don't think anyone's actually going to fake their own suicide, but I think it is going to just, you know, encourage some unhealthy thoughts and feelings and everything. And that's really just my thoughts on, you know, faking my own suicide. I'm on Jess's side with this one. You know, Five Score was my favorite album for a very, very long time, but that particular song just can't allow it to be that anymore so yeah once again great job on the podcast loving all you're doing uh keep it up bye you know it's it's true i hadn't really thought of it like that because i think you and i are so used to having come in with reliant k during the first three gears right you know so we're we're used to the idea we're that used they to have the, funny the jo- songs. The joke songs, yeah. yeah. But we, I'm looking through Five Score, and he's right, like, through the track listings, because, mm-hmm, they didn't go goofy on mm-hmm. 
And on five score, they don't really have a lot. I mean, they have pleading the fifth acapella, but even that has a serious tone to it. So there aren't really a lot of those goofy sort of joke songs during this era of Reliant K. Right. Which again, this would go into why I feel that the trilogy of this time is <laughs> mm-hmm, five score and forget not slow down because you don't have all that sort of you have a you big have a maturing bunch of, in you there. have mature earnest songs yeah we talked about this on our my girl's ex-boyfriend episode where i said that's the cheesiest song on mm-hmm and the goofiest wackiest schmackiest thing on mm-hmm is the title of the worst thing to bet on to beat than a dead horse is to bet on one yeah. or whatever. I, I know I got that wrong, but the <laughs> wackiest thing on mm-hmm is the title of an otherwise earnest song. Yeah. Whereas in the first three albums, you have like breakfast at Timpanies, right? And uh, kids on the street, kids on the street, but also like saw actual songs as yeah. well. You have may the horse be with you, silly and shoes, silly shoes. The, sh- the hidden tracks are all silly. Uh, we're going to get to that someday. <laughs> the awful joke rap. Um, and uh, I Am lion And all of these like jokey songs alongside Ernest. And, and pop culture reference songs. Pop culture You've references. you a lot more of that. And so now you're taking something that is a pop culture reference, although not specifically referenced in the song where... Yeah. Uh, Tyson has said that it's about the 70s movie Harold and Maude. And, and it also obviously pulls from... Adventures of Tom, Tom, Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. Absolutely. So this is, so yeah, Reliant K became more earnest. They still had a sense of humor, but humor was no longer really a part of their persona by mm-hmm, specifically, other yeah. than I'm sure stage banter and some art and some videos that they would make. But the actual music started to strip away the comedy, which is something we've talked about before and you have a band like fiber and frenzy where it's very similar like aside from the fact that they were ska band and everyone thinks of ska as goofy they did have goofy songs and totally earnest songs and now they pretty much just have earnest songs yeah even you know a song even on their last album like now the new album is completely only earnest and even the last album was mostly earnest in tone with like battle dancing unicorns and stuff but it's still not like a whack it's still not like as wacky a song as they had done previously so i totally i get exactly what sean is kind of getting at here if if you join which is fitting for what we're going to talk about the song this week if you sort of learn about reliant k at this you know peak that they had with capital records they seem like a more earnest pop punk pop rock band mm-hmm. whereas before in their youth group years in their youth group touring years they were wacky goofy guys with wacky goofy songs yeah yeah and i like that he said that uh that that deathbed taints it a little bit as well so <laughs> hey sean from pennsylvania you're my new favorite caller <laughs> you guys can do deathbed part two someday <laughs> where we just don't talk about the yeah. song at all <laughs> Oh, and that's one other thing uh, before we get into uh, talking about who I am and who I've been this week for this like proposed second half of Sadie Hawkins pod as we just kind of approach things differently, but nothing will like visually change or change in the way we format the show. But I am going to I do want to start approaching and accepting more guests on the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So and I mean, that's a part of the next four weeks as we have some other guests lined up. None of them are in the band. I just want to curb expectations. Yeah. 
But I do want to start approaching people who are... When you say we have an event, Danny, people are going to think, oh, big doing. No, yeah, not that big. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, thank you very much, Sean, for calling. Hey, we have Australian guests on the show this time, and it's not Denny. Yes. I didn't even mention Denny to them. Because <laughs> this week, I don't know if it'll be in this part or next... Po- oh, no, wait. It'll be this week. We're splitting it in half, right? That's what we decided to do. Yes. <clears throat> so we have a guest this week, and it's Sam and Emma from the Punk Goes Pod podcast. And since they're a covers podcast... Oh, I thought that's where they talked about Punk Goes Pod. It's a podcast <laughs> where they talk about another podcast. Yes? No. <laughs> it's where they talk about the Punk Goes series from Fearless Records. We were on their Manic Monday episode, so they're appearing on this episode because Who I Am Hates Who I've Been Acoustic is on one of the Punko's acoustic CDs. So yeah, we're going to split that one first half at the end of this episode and the second half next week. So Who I Am Hates Who I've Been was released in June of 2005 as the second single off of Mm-hmm from 2004. There is an acoustic version of the song, which, as you just said, we'll be discussing later with our guests, um, which was originally recorded for the Apathetic EP, but didn't make the cut and later appeared on the Bird and the B-Sides, um, as well as Punko's Acoustic too. There is so much information this week, I feel like we're doing an actual music podcast. Right. <laughs> That's the... That, that, this is the sort of thing I was talking about. I think it got cut from our conversation with uh, Josh from Reliable J that, um, you know, he, he mentioned at one point how more non-Christian or more mainstream uh, media people, media savvy people are more familiar with Be My Escape. That's their the big Reliant K song. Whereas yeah. more Christian leaning kids or pe- Christian people who came up as Christian kids Sadie Hawkins dance is yeah. the, is the main song for Relying K, and this song and we didn't we didn't mention it at the time and the part got cut out of our conversation with Josh anyway, but this song was on the radio. The song was like the first sort of big hit for Relying K's you know chance at the mainstream. And yeah, according it, to Billboard.com, this song spent eleven weeks on the chart and peaked at fifty eighth on March third, two thousand six, on the Billboard Hot one hundred. Compared to Be My Escape, which only spent four weeks on the chart and peaked at number 82, mm-hmm. August 5th, 2005, which surprises me because I definitely remember Be My Escape playing on the radio in the summer of 05. Like, I remember that vividly. Right. And I don't really remember hearing Who I Am Hates Who I've Been, although it is certified gold in the U.S. Right. I have a memory. The last time I ever talked to a member of Reliant K directly was at Warp Tour 2005 in Massachusetts. We missed, we didn't get there in time for Reliant K's performance. We missed it. But then we were at the stage for May and Hoops was just in the audience. And we, me and my friend Johnny, and we had another friend there. We went up to him. We're like, hey. And because they, they, they still knew us and recognized us at that time. We're like, hey, Matt Hoops. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And we just actually stood there with Matt Hoops and watched May. And the the big th- question I had for him in between was how all of a sudden Reliant K was on the radio, like out of nowhere, you know, and I'd been following Reliant K since the first album. And it goes right with the history we kind that's kind of recorded and known about the band now is Matt Hoops' reaction to that at me in 2005 
at Warp Tour talking to him was, yeah, it just kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed crazy that he's like, oh, yeah, it just kind of happened. But now we know in hindsight that this album was recorded for Goatee Records. It had nothing to do with Capitol Records. And that they just bumped it up to Capitol because they were all part of this. All the Goatee and Capitol were part of the same parent company. Yeah. And I believe John Schneck, when he was on our show even said, I definitely heard someone in the band say they didn't know they were on Capitol until they were until the right. CD had already been repressed. So right. some of the first pressings of this album are goatee only. And then pretty quickly, within a couple weeks, it got repressed with the Capitol logo on the back. In 2006, the song was nominated for a Dove Award uh, for Rock Recorded Song of the Year at the 37th GMA Dove Awards. Everybody's winning a Dove Award, please. There's so many Dove Awards. Like the Dove... Jeez. I just got like they were nominated. I don't... Gotcha. Whatever. They didn't win. Do you I want me like... to find out who won that year? No, I really don't care. But the thing is, like, <laughs> the thing about the Dove Awards is I feel like they give those away like candy. You know what I mean? It's like When are deal. we getting our Dove Award, then? Yeah, when are we getting our Dove Award? <laughs> just so much stuff gets Worst Dove Award. Worst Christian podcast of the year goes to... <laughs> Exactly. I don't feel like I got to my point about that Matt Hoop story, but when I spoke to him, it was either Be My Escape or Who I Am Hates Who I've Been, and I don't remember which one it was that I was like, hey, this song's on the radio, and he was like, yeah, it just sort of happened. It was. I don't know if it was Who I Am Hates Who I've Been or Be My Escape, but if you remember Be My Escape being on the radio in the summer of 05, then maybe it was Be My Escape. I'm so confused as to how the Dove Awards works, because it looks like everybody who's nominated just wins. I'm confused by their Wikipedia page. Awards, general. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's bold. It's in bold who won. Okay. Yeah. I just feel like everyone has been nominated for or won a Dove Award. I feel like it's one of the most non-exclusive awards in the world. Every time you search out information about a Christian artist, they've absolutely won a Dove Award. It's like they... It's like when Homer Simpson wins a Grammy, right. <laughs> and then like he tries, he uses it as a, he tip. Uses as a tip, and he's like, "Oh wow, an award statue! Oh, it's a Grammy!" And he throws it over the balcony, and someone throws it back. Ah, uh, so oh, pop slash contemporary recorded song of the year, "Be My Escape," was nominated, but "Cry Out to Jesus" by Third Day One. Mm. Where's the rock section? What's well, got the J word in the title? Video. Sure. Um, <laughs> they d- mm-hmm, did win for Rock Album of the Year that year, however. Gotcha. Uh, and The Slam by Toby Mac featuring T-Bone is the song that won Rock Recorded Song of the Year that year. Also nominated was Lay Down My Pride by Jeremy Camp, Let Go by Barlow Girl, uh, The Wait Is Over by Discipline. I've heard of all of Disciple. those Disciple. Ba- <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, I've heard of all those bands with Disciple. Wait, no, that's wrong. Wait, it is Disciple. Yeah, I would think it's Disciple. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very spoiler. I don't know. I don't see why it couldn't be Discipline. <laughs> discipline is that their whole thing would be like, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's like, it's just a picture of a dude with like a shirtless back and he's got like the, the, the f- flagling thing or whatever you right. call it. And he's got like scars on his back. Yeah. Sorry, that's inappropriate. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> so this song is also cited as being, this is a bad friend Tyson song. Right. 
This is like this is, this no, is the number one bad primo friend bad friend Tyson song. <laughs> I feel like this will dictate all discussion about bad friend Tyson songs from here on out. Yeah, because this song is being cited as Tyson writing it in Australia after a fight with Brian Pittman, the bassist. Uh, uh, and I feel like this is the most on tour band drama we've ever heard about with Reliant K. Right. Like, so rock and roll, just getting into a <laughs> fight with your bassist and then, like, then writing a song about it. <laughs> exactly. In Australia. <laughs> in Australia. Which is why he sings, I watched the pervert. Also, very, very appropriate that our guests this week are from Australia. Right. And he sings, I watched the proverbial sunrise coming up over the Pacific end, which normally. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west uh-huh. on the continent that we are on. And so therefore... Is it opposite? I don't know. I don't think so. I wouldn't think so. But I've seen that. that according to Genius, that is why. <laughs> That's the, the clue into this lyric. And I'm like, is that a thing or is that a joke? Like that the toilet flushes the wrong way. I guess that... I guess, you know, we should have asked our guests. But now I don't know. I, I never thought about it. And I, I never don't feel thought like, about the line. I don't feel like this is one of those things where I should know this. <laughs> and like I was taught it in school. I feel like I've never heard which way the sun rises and sets in the Southern Hemisphere. I've been sitting on this information for two days. And I could have looked it up in those two days. And I didn't. Wow. Oh, duck, duck, go. You aren't going to help me. I need Google <laughs> for this. It says east. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it says here. It's also, I went over to Google, the sun, the stars, and the moon rise in the east and always set in the west because the earth spins towards the east. Wait a second. So, you think we'd know a little bit about the planet earth, but <laughs> the Pacific is on the east side of Australia. Is it? The Pacific is over here on the west and across that ocean is Australia, which means it's on the opposite side of their of their so country. So it is right. It is right. No. Oh, that's the, that's, we're thinking the about it wrong. The sun is coming up over the Pacific end, right, because we live in California on this side of the Pacific. It's not a, ma- yeah. West. And yeah, there we, we think, go. We think Pacific is, is part and parcel we've, with West. We've already oh. lost any new listeners <laughs> that we had at this point. No, I think we just, we're, we're, we're it, we're learning <laughs> something you're supposed to learn in fourth grade. Yeah, um, that's so. Well, I just never thought. Okay, I, there's two ways to think about it. One I've is learned like, a lot of information since I learned that. <laughs> that information has been pushed out of my head for like. You know what? I don't feel that bad about never having thought about where the sun rises, which ocean the sun rises <laughs> over in Australia, because I do listen to Punko's pod. And because they talk about so many American vans from specific American regions, they don't know a lot about America, American geography. Sure. This isn't just us being dumb Americans. <laughs> I think even though this has more to do with the planet at large than just this is not regional Australian stuff. <laughs> still, I'm saying I'm giving myself a break for this. You know what? I hate who I was that didn't realize the sun comes up over the Pacific and Australia, but still over in the East. But now I'm not that person anymore. So what else do you have to say about this? (laughs) 
I absolutely remember rocking out to this song and doing like extra exaggerated rock moves and interpretive dance moves to this song in high school. And again, thank goodness YouTube was not a thing then because I absolutely would have been one of these excited teens with a camera that we come across every week Mm -hmm. making their very earnest Reliant K videos. Um, So this is a song that is a little too ubiquitous in the Reliant K world for me. So I do get a little bored with it. You know what I mean? It And I the thing is, I'm a big MXPX fan, but I feel the same way about Punk Rock Show. Like, I kind of love that MXPX always ends with Punk Rock Show because I can be standing by the door. <laughs> I'm like, I've heard this song 20 million times. I don't need to get in the pit and mash it up during Punk Rock Show anymore. <laughs> So I, like, make my way towards the door during that portion. And I felt the same way about this since I was, I had this album before it got pushed up to Capitol, and I listened to it, and I loved mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, here's clearly this, here's clearly their maturing album, which I was used to the idea. I'd already been into music long enough that I knew any goofy band eventually has the non-goofy album. I talked about it once with Reggie and the Full Effect, how they had, although I've learned recently, I guess, Reggie's a problem. Uh-oh. <laughs> but whatever. Um, that has that's nothing what, to do with this. What about the full effect? <laughs> I don't know. Let's not throw out the full effect with the bath right? with the Reggie water. Yeah, exactly. Um, they had all their goofy, crazy parody songs in the early Reggie and the full effect albums. And then with songs not to get very mar- married to, it was like a, mostly completely earnest. There were like two joke songs on that album. Like I was used to this idea that a band will ultimately have their completely non-jokey album and that was mm-hmm. and i was like cool it still sounds like reliant k to me and i was happy with it and then, but when i listened to it i did think oh be my escape is like probably the perennial song off of this album but i never occurred to me listening to the album when i first did that who i am who i've been would be a single there's so many songs that feel like they could be singles like this week the trend and um the one i'm waiting for is that on this or is that on the next album? That's on. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> I'm just sitting here letting him flounder. <laughs> no, I, I, f- for some reason in my mind, I was like, is the one I'm waiting for on five score? No, it's the first track. I know. Of I know. But whatever. <laughs> so I just never, never occurred to me that who I am, who I've been would be considered a single. It obviously did become a single a year later. Um, so to me, this this is still a jam. It just to me, it's no bigger in my mind, than This Week the Trend. Whereas Be My Escape, I could tell the first time I heard it that that was going to be a single. The breakdown in the middle of this song where it slows down and the piano comes in is so beautiful. And it's like I so hate consequences. Um, There's that guitar reverb with the piano. And this is one of those things that Reliant K is just so good at. It gives you this feeling of hope. And it's almost like they're delivering a testimony in that moment before kicking right back into rocking out again. And it's like with the bands who stop the show to deliver a mini sermon in the (laughs) middle of their set are always trying to achieve. But Reliant K is able to do that in these just soft moments in their music. And I think that that's really amazing. Um, so now I kind of understand where these song meanings and, and blog opinions come from, where they think 
every song, especially from this like sort of time period is about God, because a lot of these songs, especially like I said, from mm-hmm, Fine Score, Forget Era, have this elevated praise and worship breakdown in them, which it's, it's just it flows so beautifully and it works really well and is not a thing that they were doing in a lot of other pop punk groups at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's it's really beautiful and it's what makes this song stand out. It's what makes a lot of the songs on on this album and from this era stand out. Right. Yeah, and I you know, when all the piano was on mm-hmm, it didn't even occur to me at the time how significant that was. Cause I always knew about Tyson's like Beach Boys influences. Right. I always thought of them from their first three gears period at the time as not really being a punk band. I knew that they could do more specific things. I always thought of them more in a pop rock Weezer vein. And it was pretty much just like the zeitgeist, like just hammering the idea of pop punk being the, the phrase that you'd call all of these bands. Like I would never think, I don't think of a band like Paramore or... Uh, Fallout Boy as a pop punk band. I thought you were going to just say that you didn't really think of them. Period. <laughs> well, I don't really think of Fallout Boy, <laughs> and I. But I under. I don't fight it. I understand that people lump all of this mid two thousands pop rock into a quote unquote pop punk lens, and I'm not fighting that. If people see it that way, that's fine. But just being an eighties nineties kid pop punk was something more specific blink 182 is more pop punk like they actually like at least presented themselves specifically as punkers you know not like i know there's all the dead tooth guys out there that would be like ah blink 182 is not punk ah green day is not punk but like they clearly had punk influences only Whereas Relying K had many, and obviously a punk band can have lots of different influences, but they wear their punk influences on their sleeve. Relying K didn't wear their punk influences on their sleeve. They'd say like, yeah, we like MXPX and we like Weezer and we like Beach Boys. Like they were more a pop rock band to me. Sure. So when they started putting all of this piano, sorry, I took took a long way around the neighborhood to get back to my (laughs) point. But when they started putting all this piano onto this album and that becoming the leading way Reliant K would be from then on once they became a five piece. It may, it made complete sense to me. It's actually funny when five score came out, the sound felt so different to me that I was actually a little turned off. That's why I never bought a copy of five score at the time. I was happy with my MP3s for the first time with the Reliant K album. Cause like this still sounds like Reliant K, but I wasn't crazy about the production. Right. And I know now like technically, uh, Mark Lee Townsend wasn't the producer on that album, right. so it kind of makes sense, and we kind of know some of the background on the label pushing them on that album. Yeah. But just the sound of that album felt so different to me, whereas mm-hmm felt yeah. like a natural evolution. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with Five that. Five scores the original collapsible lung. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I, so you're you're not a super huge fan of this song. I like said. it. You I like, like it. it. But it just, it just it's too much... Of wallpaper to me it just sounds too much like other songs like i think mainly this week the trend i think mainly i like this week the trend more than this song and i this week the trend feels like more of a showstopper to me than who i am into i've been which is i know surprising probably a controversial statement but they're the same theme they're both bad friend Tyson songs sure sure uh, yeah and good for this song that it's way it's way bigger than this week the trend i know that i'm just saying 
personally in my head canon. Yeah, uh, for me, this is more of like, a, it, it feels a little bit more of a sister song to like, I so hate consequences because just musically. And it's actually funny because uh, whereas usually I don't have a lot to say about the music, like I'm really, really attracted to just the sound of this song and the production of this piece. And it's like, I could not think of a lot to say about the lyrics because it is just like your, it's like a quintess, your quintessential bad friend Tyson song. Yeah. So it's like, I didn't have a lot to say about the lyrics are great. They're beautiful, but I didn't have a lot to say about that. I was just rocking out so hard while I did my research this week. Like, I feel like you can't like play the song and not play air drums along to it. <laughs> <laughs> I was also singing Who I Am Hates Billy Corrigan instead. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> why do you hate Billy Corrigan? I don't. Happy birthday, Billy also his birthday oh his birthday is on saint patrick's day it is i wonder if that's why his middle name is patrick william patrick uh, oregon maybe my dad's best friend was born on saint patrick's day oh i gotta send a text out but <laughs> that just reminded me <laughs> and his name is patrick because he was born on saint patrick's day right <laughs> that's that's good um i know i just gave you the danny wasn't listening <laughs> tone of voice but i absolutely was listening so you mentioned I Still Hit Consequences, and that reminds me that this song is part of the trilogy of hate, <laughs> as I <laughs> yes, called it. Right. And it's crazy that there's two songs on mm-hmm with the word hate in the title. It just feels odd. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not really that bad. I'm not saying like a parent wagging their finger and saying hate is a strong word <laughs> you ever, did your parents ever do you, when you said you hated something did your parents ever look you in the eye and say something along the lines of you know the word hate literally means you want that person to die um no not in those specific terms they did not I think uh, they definitely were like there's harsher words and more friendly words and maybe you know do you really hate it? Like, you know, maybe stay away from that one. It wasn't like a like a drilled into me thing, but I definitely had friends who were like, hate is a bad word. And right. it's like, I mean, my mom thought told me that sucks was a bad word and crap was like a swear word and things like that that I've learned later aren't true. But, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, hate was just like it was a strong word. My mom right. would say it's a strong word, not that it was and to just maybe think about and whether you else. actually hated it or if you just disliked it well my parents definitely well my mom at least my mom definitely didn't want me just throwing the word hate around but it is like it's like the word literally which i literally use all the time it's like these words become less powerful because we overuse them yeah like people started you become desensitized you become desensitized and swears like, especially our generation, like, swearing isn't as bad. And I think over time, each swears are slowly going to, like, because now no one cares if you say damn or anything like that. We saw a car with a bumper sticker today <laughs> that looked like a hand giving the middle finger and said, F- you. you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't believe that they're it allowed to. It was very clever. It, it was the, the it, hand it was, was made out of the letters. <laughs> Of F-U-C-K-U. The U was, like, really tall to be the finger. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that I was like, oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Like, can you imagine being a kid in the 90s and seeing something like that? Because I can't. Right. Like, I feel like that was very, like, you could even, couldn't even have T-shirts that had certain suggestive things on them or, like, 
parents would be outraged or whatever, you know? Like, I can't imagine having, like, I think the most rude bumper sticker they had was the Calvin and Hobbes Calvin peeing thing on whatever, you know? Yeah, if you were, like, if you were Bart Simpson and you wore a t-shirt that said down with homework to school, the next thing you know, (laughs) there'd be a riot at the school. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I just remember my mom not wanting me to use, just like your mom, although she used other tactics for it, then your mom used more, like, the thing is, you were a very loving child and you looked up to your parents and I certainly looked up to my parents as well but I was more rebellious right. as you know yes. so my mom used other tactics than other than just honesty right. to get me to do things which is probably fine because I probably also didn't react to the honesty if I felt like I was entitled to use a word like hate or sucks but then my mom would say those are basically swears so My mom would say, and I know that this isn't just my mom making this up. This was like one of those things that gets passed around by parents. And it's something you probably find in a meme of like think of stuff parents say that if you say the word hate as a kid, like I hate my teacher, then your mom would look you in the eye and say the word hate in the dictionary means you want that person to die. Do you Whoa. actually want your teacher to die? And then ideally the kid would be like, no, I don't want But that. little Danny said yes, didn't <laughs> little he? Little Danny said yes. Of course he did. And then the other one is to say to your kids. That's so harsh. No, I my parents did not use like strong arm parenting. It right. was like they got off very easy with me. I remember this one time my mom told me that and I don't even know why, and she does not recall telling me this, but she told me that like swearing offended Jesus. And I ne- like never swore. I didn't swear until I got to college because I thought that was true. And then I wised up and was like, wait a minute. Jesus this- isn't at college with me. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is back at my parents' house. This isn't anywhere like written down that swearing offends Jesus. This is a lie. And then like I ended up just, I started swearing. But that's more because I was more ingrained in it that I did not grow up in a home with swearing or anything like that so suddenly going to college and we went to a very liberal uh art school Mm -hmm. so the teacher swore all of the other kids swore and I just ended up picking it up by living in that sort of an environment for so long for shame (laughs) just kidding Uh, so it's not actually a big deal that Reliant K has two songs on this album with the word hate in the title, but I'd like to imagine absolutely that somewhere there's a Christian kid who handed, at, probably at a Christian bookstore, maybe at a mainstream record store, handed the record to their parents and said, this is a Christian album. And they looked at the back and saw the word hate on there twice and said, no, you may not have this album. <laughs> I guarantee that happened. I know for a fact somewhere in the world, there is a person. I'm there's, sure. In, well, the, somewhere in the world, there is a person who parents took away their Five Iron Frenzy CDs, and this is still back in the late '90s when Five Iron Frenzy was like, you know, you know, less uh, progressive and liberal than they may be perceived by, you know, more right leaning Christian right leaning Christians now. Mm-hmm. This is still when they only had three albums out, and this kid went on the Frenzy boards which is what they called the online community for Fire and Frenzy in the 90s. And it was like, I need help because my mom took away my Fire and Frenzy CDs because they thanked Less Than Jake in the thank yous. They thanked secular bands Whoa! in the thank you liner notes. Whoa! So her, his mom took away his Five Iron Frenzy CDs Whoa. because they were friends with secular bands. Hardcore. Hardcore. So I Hardcore. guarantee there's some parent out there who looked at the titles 
of I still hate consequences and who I am hates who I've been. Instead, the word hate on here twice? No, those are swears and didn't let them keep the CD. Parents, you got to be cooler. (laughs) You got to be cooler. Any parents listening, you got to be cooler, guys. And then the cap for the trilogy of hate is I hate Christmas parties. Sure. Right. Sure. Who doesn't? Yeah. How how many other bands have this many songs with the word hate in the title? Maybe Slayer? I don't know. know. (laughs) Probably a lot. The hate bombs? I don't know. Hate bombs? Oh, sorry. That's a that's a very local uh, Orlando band. Yeah. Apologies. Oh. <laughs> I never even heard of them. The only local Orlando band I knew was the Supervillains. Right. They were the big weed smoke and ska band in oh. the area. <laughs> Talk about mom's not letting you listen to that music. Uh, so I just want to bring up the Hard Rock Live show for a second, because at 1 minute, 23 seconds, the camera cuts to the audience, and it's from below, and it is a close-up of a girl's boobs bouncing as she jumps up and down singing along. And then right I'm after that, Tyson's earpiece falls out, and then he like has to scramble to get it back in. Probably because <laughs> he's, he's distracted by girl's boobs bouncing. <laughs> so... This Hard Rock Live show Jessica was at, for anyone who's listening for the first time, it was 2005, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2005. My first Reliant K show. Yep. So at what time does it happen? Uh, 123. 123. So here I am at 120. Which, you know, if this was a good Charlotte, you know, oh. you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> if this was a good Charlotte or a Simple Plan or really any other band, like, yeah, sure, teen girl boobs bouncing. Why not? But the fact that it's Reliant K is just hilarious. Yeah. I'm watching uh, Tyson struggle with his... <laughs> with his uh, earpiece. Yeah, yeah. His, his monitor. That's funny. So this is, by the way, the second to last time will specifically come to watch the Hard Rock Live 2005 videos. So sad. Because to summarize, we've done all these songs. The one I'm waiting for, Who I Am Hates Who I've Been, High of 75, Witch to Bury, Be My Escape, and I Still Hate Consequences. Did we do Witch to Bury? Yes, we did. Oops. I mean, of course we did. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we can do it again sure. in, in, in season two of Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> But, I think uh, you mean season three. Won't that mark a new season when we actually get done with all of the... You know, we'll get into it later. Okay. So, yeah, um, this version is also... Slow. We're kind of getting ahead because normally we do the live videos later. But as long as we're here, I just wanted to mention, after I did my YouTube research, this is kind of the slower... It's it's still fast, obviously. But this is a slightly slower, more grindy pace than is, yeah. what is found on the main album or uh, what's found found on the 2009 section of the main live album. This mm-hmm. is actually a slower live version of that the band played. I also want to talk about the uh, live at Capitol because I have the same note about that performance that I had on um, I So Hate Consequences where when you slow the song down, you lose that same feeling with that slower breakdown when you strip away the song. Mm-hmm. Which is what I said about I So Hate Consequences is that you have that, you give that really powerful message in that slowed down part. But when the whole thing's slow, it's just you lose that. Right. I wonder if that's... Now, the Capitol Record live version is different. 
from the acoustic version found on Punk Goes Acoustic and right. on Bird and the B-Side. Yeah. Just to confirm for anyone who... I didn't... I kind of... I kind of knew that, but I kind of didn't really pay attention until I really did my YouTube research this week. Because Live at Capital was recorded around the time of Five Score, just post Five Score. Right. Right. And so they had they... already recorded. This was our, This was supposed to be for the apathetic. I'm actually curious. I wish I should have tried to message John Schneck to ask him. I'm curious if um, maybe we'll find this out for part two. <laughs> uh, I'm curious if the... Apathetic EP was maybe recorded after the Johns joined the band because Brian left very quickly into five into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have a very rare performance of this song at Cornerstone uh, 04 where Brian's playing. It's still the four piece band and it's before uh, the album's out. And the crowd has no reaction to <laughs> so one of the main singles, one of what will become one of their top two songs on streaming in the modern age. Like the, it's a brand new song. The crowd has no reaction, but like Brian left right as this album came out. It's like, it's equivalent to the way Ethan left on when collapsible on came out. Right. So immediately Warren has replaced uh, Brian and then there's this very short period where there's not a lot of promotion going on per se, where they're now a four piece with Warren and Schneck hasn't joined because they did a small tour that I figured out later when I asked Schneck and he, I was like, were you at these shows? He, they did the, this small under the radar tour to mm. specific cities that they love to play in. And Boston was one of them to celebrate the release of, mm -hmm, and Brian was already gone. And I remember my friend Johnny being like, you know, pointing at the new bassist and saying, that's the guy from Ace Troubleshooter. And we had no idea that that was happening because it's still just 2004. There's no big things going on. Um, the, the crowds when this song is played live also, just everybody is into this. Yeah. And this is what not only really makes me in the age of a pandemic miss live shows, but what really makes me miss Reliant K live shows is that especially when you get to that sort of softer breakdown that everybody sings along and you just hear everybody, you know, mm -hmm. singing along to that really pretty soft portion of the song. Right. So I danced around my point before, but my question is, when did they get in the studio and record the acoustic tracks for the apathetic EP? Because was Schneck involved or not? You know what I mean? Because here Schneck's for sure invo involved. And in my personal opinion, the acoustic version, we didn't get into this with our guests, but the acoustic version on the Live at Capital videos, I think, is superior to the acoustic version on Bird and the B-Sides. Agreed. And Punk Goes Acoustic. Yeah. Yeah, this Agreed. version is much nicer. Obviously, we, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say, oh, they're in a nicer studio. But I'm like, well, I literally don't know what studio they recorded right. <laughs> the, the would-be apathetic EP version. Right. But whatever. Like, th this is... It's clear that they like put a lot of planning into the Live at Capital show because there's all of this thought and all of these specially arranged songs. So there just feels like a lot more arrangement and thought into how they would perform this acoustically for this version. Whereas the other version just feels like they not slapped together, but they did it in the sort of natural, just make an acoustic version of a song. Right. Yeah, I also, I forgot to mention 
that's what if you heard a crash earlier it's because it fell down this song is on the fan curated vinyl it is on side a track three yeah that makes sense these are their these are probably their four biggest yeah you've got sadie hawkins dance be my escape who i am hates who i've been and then deathbed right and obviously deathbed's in kind of a different bracket when you say these are their four biggest songs but you know deathbed is yeah, it it's is. got the biggest yeah. cult within Reliant K fandom itself. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think any songs are specifically bigger in a real quantifiable way than those. Four. They, these are quantifiably huge songs. Yeah. Like you can look at streaming numbers, you can look at Billboard, and you know these songs, these four songs are bigger than anything else in their catalog. So we're going to go ahead and take our break now. And yes. when we come back, we're going to talk with our guests. So next week... We're going to do the usual deep dive that I do because since this is such a massive song, the deep dive was really, really yeah. long. And we want to give everything because in lots, there's lots of good stuff. Just to give you a preview of some of it, <laughs> save some other things. So I won't know, but yeah. So yeah. So next week we're going to have the deep dive, the the music video. We'll talk about yeah, and part two of our guest segment. Right, because first we're gonna have the first half. We had a almost three hour conversation with them yeah so we're splitting it (laughs) across these two episodes so uh we'll be back after this (laughs) and i'll cut that part out (laughs) if you enjoy sadie hawkins pod please rate and review us on apple Podcasts and interact with the show by calling our voicemail line 402-95-SADIE you can send an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and visit our instagram and twitter which are both at sadiehawkinspod you can also visit sadiehawkinspod.com for the link to our T public store for shirts, mugs, and stickers, including two brand new designs. Following in the history of all of Reliant K's logo parody merch, we have a Chick-fil-A parody design. And to prove to everyone that we are in fact the most punk rock podcast, we have a new Black Flag logo parody. You know, something that's original and that we could really call our own for once. We also want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod. Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy, Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. You can sign up at our Patreon for bonus episodes, which include us reviewing the songs from Chaos for Karaoke and reading through the Complex Infrastructure book. Treat yourself right in 2021 with Sadie Hawkins Pod, the door to a happy, healthy life. And one more note to our patrons before we get to our guest segment is that we're releasing the full uncut conversation with Punko's Pod over on the Patreon feed. So go check that feed out now instead of listening to the whole thing twice. Um, so I would say welcome back, but really, I guess it's you welcoming us back, or now we're reciprocating. Punko's Pod, uh, Sam and Emma. I got your names right, right? You did. <laughs> yes. Okay. You're I'm, so awkward when we, you introduce when we guests. Introduce, I don't really know how to introduce guests. <laughs> Once we get over that hump, then we just talk. It's like, exactly. I got to like, hey, everybody. I don't think of it as a show. You know what I mean? But there's this weird pomp and circumstance about introducing people that it's got to be like, hey, welcome to the show. We're all here. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. <laughs> it's much easier when it's just me and Jessica because it just feels like a conversation that we know people are yeah. listening in on. So Exactly. Yeah. 
Like, so we, uh, I think I've definitely repeated this either on our podcast or maybe on yours. I'm sorry if I have, but like we went around to friend of the pod, Richard S. He's place. And he was just like, he was cooking us breakfast. It was very wholesome and lovely. I was doing my work. Sam and I were talking about just something to do with pop culture. He's like, I feel like I'm listening to an episode of your podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which was such a compliment, but also like, I, I totally got, as soon as like, a third party is in it's just like oh no how do we make this seamless (laughs) this is like how the sausage is made exactly (laughs) (laughs) just getting premium content for free but no that's fine (laughs) welcome back to our sausage podcast by the way exactly sausage cast so to catch anyone up just in case uh we were on your show talking about manic monday by the bangles and the reliant k cover that was on punko's 80s because on your show you talk about a different song each week from the Punk Goes Ellipses series by Fearless yeah. Records. And this week we're having you on for uh, Who I Am, Hates Who I've Been because on Punk Goes Acoustic 2 is Reliant K has, I looked at Jessica just for reassurance that I'm getting yes. all these facts correct. Who I Am, Hates Who I've Been the acoustic version is on the Punk Goes Acoustic Volume 2. Uh, Reliant K fans probably know more specifically that it's on the Bird and the B-Sides album, which was, it's half of a new album that they recorded at the time and half of a B-Side collection. So before we get into the covers, um, yes. the idea was you guys are the covers podcast. So we're mm-hmm. having, so and we were going to do this crossover and to sort of set it apart from Last time, we're going to go through the covers together instead of just me and Jess. Uh, but before we get into that, what are your thoughts on this song in general? Did you have any thoughts? Did you listen, aside from the acoustic one that's on your list, did you listen to the original as well? We did. Yes. yes. Okay. And watch the video as we well. We did watch. Superhero origin story of uh, girl with the fringe. <laughs> yeah, fringe girl. <laughs> yeah, fringe girl. <laughs> Bangs, I believe they call them in, uh, <laughs> in over in your side of the world. <laughs> Do you want to kick off the discussion on our end? Yeah, look, it was it's it's a really cool song. It's I am not surprised, but like almost impressed with how much this has obviously influenced teenagers of the time. Um, I'm shocked that this was not played on a played over a top ten anime betrayals video. <laughs> oh no! It, oh well, it, not top ten one. But I didn't even save in my list that I shared with you guys all of the anime music videos. <laughs> there are hundreds. There are hundreds and hundreds of them. And any um, character that betrays another character and feels bad about it later has at least two <laughs> different anime music videos set to them. Oh, brilliant. Oh, I love it. Uh, look, we'll get to my favorite one at the <laughs> end. But yeah, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm just like... I think that that territory was more reserved for Linkin Park and Disturbed and Breaking Benjamin. Yeah, true. Was the top 10 anime betrayals. But yeah, just I think the acoustic cover, because one of my biggest gripes with acoustic covers is just when it's the song, the chords and an acoustic guitar, but they actually put a lot of, they put a lot of effort into it and they, it's not just what's his name on a guitar. Matt uh, Teeson. I couldn't remember if it was Matt or like, Something else starting with an A. I don't know why. With an A? Yeah, like Andrew Tyson. <laughs> you could be like getting your wires crossed because last time we spoke with Reliant K. No, not Reliant. We did this last time with Sadie Hawkins. <laughs> My God. I 
it's a public holiday here, so forgive me. I'm just like on holiday <laughs> mode. Um, last time we talked, we talked about the fact that Matt Teeson had worked with Andrew McMahon on um, a Jack's Mannequin record. Right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like it's interesting since we had that conversation, I have been listening to Reliant K within the context of like comparing them to that same style and sound and it's one of those things this feels like they were a real missed opportunity for me because I would have within the context of if you like Andrew McMahon you'll love these guys mm. like I would have loved them at the time I think yeah but I just missed the boat but um we only had so much data like internet internet usage <sighs> like dial yeah. up you could only get so much <sighs> there's only so many things I could download off LimeWire before I ruined our family computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. False wire. So, like, for me, it's funny, like, listening to this, I'm having very vivid memories of listening to friends of mine singing along to this at some party, but I never connected the dots. I was like, oh, cool song. Like, I know it's Reliant K. I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. Like, just hearing that chorus, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. But for me, I think what I love about it is just how first of all like how verbose it is I just really love the way that Matt sort of delivers like just over the top sort of very florid sort of lyrics um and it does sort of have a like within the context of the song where he's sort of going over like oh no like I've done these horrible things like I love that he sort of like almost overcorrects himself like with his train of thought as he's speaking um like it's just very earnest and it's something that especially as a teen like I love that kind of not even necessarily wordplay but just sort of over delivering with your lyrics like putting right. like and packing them with stuff like every opposed- syllable there's yeah. no moment yeah and there's no breath to be taken like everything is as full as it can be that's exactly it like it's just very maximal and I especially as a teen, like I favoured myself. It's like, oh, I'm very sort of literary and I love to read and I love poetry. And even though like I, yeah, I kept a journal, but like I was never a decent writer by any stretch, but I just always have gravitated to bands that do sort of deliver on the lyrics side of things. Like I always notice lyrics in songs before like very sort of subtle musical elements, that kind of thing. Um, and then by way of the punk goes acoustic cover, similar to what you were saying, mm. Sam, like I love that they gave it the level of care that it deserved. It wasn't just, oh yeah, let's just play it exactly the same, but unplug everything like they. Which I guess it, it could be because this wasn't necessarily done for punk goes. Exactly. Acoustic. Yeah. Yeah. It was done for something else, but like definitely within the top five of the acoustic songs we've done so far yeah yeah it's just like of course they're going to treat their own music with care but to sort of take it up a notch from this is exactly the same except there's no drums and there's no electric guitars Mm. and like they do add little drum fills and they do yeah they just sort of give it its own sort of emotional like context outside of the original cover so Mm. Yeah, hell yeah on both counts for us. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I'd say hell yeah. Did we, did we do a hell yeah or yeah, nah last time? for? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be obviously hell yeah, hell yeah. for both versions. Nice. Um, 
it was funny that before Sam mentioned that how you appreciate that there's more going on than just a singer and an acoustic guitar because in preparing today it was actually Jessica's idea Mm -hmm. she was like we should listen to as much of Punko's acoustic too as we can because neither of us had ever heard that comp so we listened to that comp and at one point we're in the car and some other song came on later in the album I can't remember what it was I don't even know if I looked to see who it was at all but basically Jessica said this is the only other song than Relying K that has other instruments in it. Like, yeah. like most of the songs it, on, on, on Punko's Acoustic 2 are just one guitar and one singer. And like yeah. Relying K had a full acoustic band and some other band had a full acoustic band. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, there's a real, sorry, you opened your mouth <laughs> and then I jumped in. And I was just going to say when... When Matt Thiessen's not on pianos, Reliant K is not lacking in guitars. <laughs> yeah. so. They have guitars coming out the wild. Guitars are plenty. Yeah. Um, I think, like, for me, like, that's a really good point in that it almost feels at times like the punk goes acoustic stuff. It's really catering to, like, those completionist fans who are like, okay, I need to hear every single iteration of the song ever recorded. Yeah. Which there's... Like that in itself is valid. Like I totally get wanting to hear every take on it, but yeah, you really do start to notice when it is just a full comp of one guitar, one singer. It's just like, okay, but what else can you show me? And so, yeah, something like Reliant K, how they treated who I am. Like it's, yeah, it just sort of, it takes it up a step from like meeting the bare minimum of what, you expect from a comp like that. And I'm just going to say, if anyone's coming into this, and I mean, I'm sure plenty of people haven't heard us, but uh, the Daphne Loves Derby episode, which we got (laughs) kind of, not in trouble, but like lead singer Jason Call like responded to that episode. I also have a huge rant about the album art for Punk Goes Acoustic 2, which just grinds, it grinds my gears so badly yeah. i'm just looking at it now it's, and i'm getting it's angry not great album art at all i didn't most of them aren't but oh like my, for wow. some reason that's just that's just the worst of the worst it's yeah, yeah. Depressing. i mean punko's crunk is a little iffy as well <laughs> it's oh. more than a little iffy <laughs> it's it's embarrassing yeah punko's <laughs> crunk is uh that's a whole another can of worms yeah well, that, yeah, yeah. I feel that like... was one of the first things i had mentioned you guys about when you started a yes. podcast i was like when you get to talk with and you've talked about it enough on the show but it's basically like crunk is a specific subgenre yeah. of rap music but they just liked the pun punko's crunk and they didn't yeah. fill it out with actual crunk songs they filled it out with some rap songs and in some cases like Rihanna like Rihanna's that's not even a rap song that's yeah. not even no. a hip-hop song no. and it makes it extra racist because they're like oh black artist crunk I'm like oh my god no, no. Well, <laughs> you're so I off think, base I think the more egregious example is the men in black song is <laughs> on it which we liked the song and then we're like Oh, wait. There's like two actual crunk songs on the entire compilation, I think, and the rest. Yeah, it, it's just to get the the pun, the rhyme. And it's very much like a product of its time because it's sort of like, yeah, we're going to go out and get crunk. Like, that's exactly what that means, right? Which, yeah. but I know, it's not. I could see Fearless being so excited because for the first time they could rhyme punk with something. Yeah, yeah. But, I was just um, remembering there. there's an actual crunk punk band 
called Whole, Whole Wheat Bread. They're an all black pop punk band. Oh they're my from, god! They're from Florida. They're from like oh, nice. They're they they you know they call themselves a dirty South punk band. They sound like like a pre uh, self unentitled pop punk band before pop punk yes. sort of started going in more directions with like Paramore and stuff like a good Charlotte Simple Plan earlier Blink One Eight Two pop punk band. And they're yep. not even on the comp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they could have, there's a crunk punk band and they didn't pick them. Exactly. They didn't get them on there. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're, <laughs> it's tricky because like, we, like full disclosure, like the punk goes Twitter account, they follow us. Like we haven't, oh. <laughs> like we haven't reached out and been like, hey guys, like <laughs> let's collab. But mm. We know that they know that we exist. And so it's hard because there are times where we're just like, the hell are you doing with this? <laughs> like we can't just always be like, we love it because then that's, that's boring. And also because like we're not getting any money to do yeah. this. So like, absolutely, we've got to tell you what we think. But at the same time, as we learned with Jason Cole, like people do <laughs> listen to these yeah. things. And so like, it's very fun to just be like, like they did this really crap job on this, but like if we do ever want to approach them in the future we have to sort of keep in check (laughs) but yeah there have been quite a few missteps along the punk goes journey it's just like guys like what are you Mm. doing but it does seem like they have more of like even just a marketing budget these days like they're able to sort of do slightly more high production things with what they're doing which i think is steering them in a bit of a better direction than the earlier comps just in terms of how they roll them out and but but Yeah. yeah If you're listening, we are very open to collaborating with you. Yeah, we'd like to get sponsored. We will become the official Fearless Records podcast, if yes. need be. Well, Jessica had one other note about the Punk Goes Acoustic Volume 2. Yeah, I love that. Like, I feel like somebody over there has a good sense of humor because right after Who I Am Hates Who I've Been is an anti-flag song and they're like, who would Jesus bomb? Who would Jesus kill? Yeah. Like right after Reliant <laughs> right. K. <laughs> Just like as the angriest like Bush era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Green Day style punk. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and there are, punk, there are Christian punk bands that would actually have, maybe not, maybe not that strong, but f- yeah, Fiber and Frenzy has had lyrics that are, just about up to that same level of like you know pointing the finger inward towards christianity and yeah. like you know and, and politically accusing uh idolatry political idolatry and christianity so i'm just yeah. saying just for the just for the sake of just mentioning other christian bands mxpx for sure although their yeah. stuff's yeah. a little bit more subdued like they're not as directly accusing christianity but it's clear the subtext are clear on some of the songs that they sing later where it's like you know the problems with certain systems and stuff yeah. i like that you just like christian music well actually me <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't christian music i know i was well actually in anti-flag <laughs> yes <laughs> that's like and that's the sort of like for me because i don't have a hell of a lot of exposure to christian pop punk christian punk that kind of thing but like some of the most interesting works, like I was driving home from visiting my parents the other day. So a good 200 kilometer drive on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and I was listening to Brand New Eyes by Paramore. And that was like, like again, friend of the pod, Richard S. He, um, he was like, he tweeted the other day that like Blink-182's self-titled album, like it deserves 
so much critical acclaim for just how like it's sort of a powder keg of an album like Mm. that's where the band like things were quite tense and like it sort of manifested itself in the sound and that's the same way with brand new eyes because I think Haley was going through her own sort of reckoning with just her faith and like what it meant to be a Christian and like what it meant to other people when you say you're a Christian that kind of thing and yeah it's super interesting just listening to her sort of grappling with that but then at the same time that ultimately led to like a lot of tension within the band itself because mm. some of them were like oh don't really want to be questioning this kind of stuff because i'm quite devout in my faith like what are we doing here and they're and also sort the, of spiraled they're also from the south aren't they uh tennessee or something aren't they yeah, um, yeah yeah um so that's like it's it's really interesting to look at christian music outside of just the very positive stuff like you can mm. still wrestle with like what you believe and like grapple with some of the things that seem inconsistent or don't quite make sense or Mm. um or like what happens when yeah like idolatry sort of takes over that kind of thing and you can still produce art that that doesn't cancel you out of the religion at all like it's just your thinking like you're being a thinking person and sort of questioning your place and yeah ultimately it still leads to growth in some degree But yeah, that is my book report on <laughs> Paramore. A plus. Thank you. Well, um, so yeah, you guys mentioned before, but I always assumed that I thought this acoustic track was on the Apathetic EP. It's not. Apparently, they and and in Who I Am, Who I've Been has its own Wikipedia page, which is one of the few Reliant K songs with its own Wikipedia page. And yeah. it says here that the acoustic version was recorded for the Apathetic EP, but it didn't make it on there. And then oh, it ended right. up on Punk Goes and it ended up on Bird and the B-Sides, which makes sense. But I'm also, there's no there's no citation for that. So I'm not really entirely sure if that is true. I'm wondering, because there are a couple of acoustic. So Apathetic EP was an EP to promote. Reliant K was on this uh, trajectory of where they'd have an album and an EP side by side. And this album, and mm-hmm, it's probably the last time they did that. Yeah. I don't think there was an EP for five score. Not not yeah. in the way there had been. There were singles for five score, the album, but not these EPs. So yeah. anyway, I guess it makes sense that they could have recorded the acoustic Who I Am, Who I've Been in the same sessions. But I just don't yeah. know. I don't have proof. I don't see proof that that's absolutely true. Yeah. Like we didn't find an interview where someone said that, but it makes sense if that's the case. Yeah. 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 For sure. Because there's acoustic versions of Be My Escape and Which to Bury Us or the Hatchet and Overthinking, Overthinking yeah. on there. Yeah. yeah, which are other songs from the same album. Um, yeah. I didn't I realize. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, so no. last time we spoke, you gave us some homework to listen to. Oh, right. What was it called again? Forget Not Slow Down. That's right. So for some reason, infuriatingly, Forget and Not Slow Down is not available on Spotify over here. Right. Um, so I instead pivoted and just listened to mm-hmm <laughs> and thoroughly enjoyed it, like super good. And then I think I listened to a couple of tracks of Forget and Not Slow Down just on YouTube, but you managed to have yeah. a listen. So I had a listen on YouTube. Yes. Wasn't the best quality. And I was coming in listening to that after... I just wrote a ranking of all of King Diamond's <laughs> albums. And I don't know if you're familiar with King Diamond, but that's a juxtaposition between the two, yeah. just to say to say the least. Um, but no, that was, uh, 
yeah, like it was one of those ones where it sounds like the the recording, not the recording itself, but like the release on YouTube sounded like it had been recorded underwater a little bit. Uh, yeah. But like it's still like it didn't didn't interfere with my enjoyment of it. Like it was still Yeah. I could have definitely seen myself enjoying that as a teenager. For sure. Faux show. <laughs> so yeah, the sound, the, the production, if you got a clear, clear copy of it, the production on Forget Not Slow Down is a lot more organic than yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm is super polished, like very s- deliberate, specific guitar tones. I think like very inspired by what was happening with pop punk and rock at the time with Blink-182 and even like Tom DeLonge and stuff like him s- sort of pushing what pop punk guitar could be at the time. And, and Matt Thiessen had yeah. a Tom DeLonge signature on stage oh, at this time so yeah. but then by forget not slow down they pivot into this very specific thing where there's like it sounds more like you're in the room with them sometimes and there's a lot of like string instruments and more reverb there's a um there's almost like that uh that that same kind of drumming that people hate on saint anger with like that loose that <laughs> that loose Wait. reverb heavy heavy thing it's like they took that bait but Forget Not Slow Down took that sort of idea and did it perfectly for Forget Not Slow Down because the drums even have this like slightly more organic, loose, reverby sound, but not as bad as St. Anger. <laughs> yeah, because those drums sounded like Lars Ulrich was hitting an empty Coke can. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that snare drum sound is just... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if Richard ends up arriving earlier than we expect we can just get him to do a quick oh yeah because he's a saint anchor apologist <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. so if we happen to hear a knock on the door in this recording it's our friend richard showing up and we'll just get him to yeah spit some bars about why saint anger is actually a great album and how dare you and why jar jar binks is a is a good star wars character <laughs> as well ah oh, but he has great anyway. taste well <laughs> he, he has impeccable taste. I defer to him a lot on things. I'll listen to an album and be like, what do you think about this? Yeah. <laughs> I need to know what to think about this, exactly. but I don't quite yet, but me. tell me, what, what should I think about this? But, no, he is a good egg. Uh, so do you guys have any other thoughts on the song or anything before we get into like the list of uh, covers and videos I sent over? I think we've mostly covered it. I think yeah. like okay. off oh. the bat, like... Yeah, Sam really sort of nailed it in like just how much this song resonated with people. Just, yeah. mm. I love that. Like, it's always rewarding to revisit something that had such a big reach at the time and sort of catch up on what we missed at the time. I'm just smiling thinking about some of the stuff we're going to get into. I know. It's going to be <laughs> <laughs> uh, One thing I meant to mention, I just realized, is I didn't know this, but on the Wikipedia page, for this song, it says Matt Thiessen wrote this song in Australia in light hey! of a feud with Brian Pittman, the bassist. The lyrics reflect remorse for his behavior as well as pleas for forgiveness. So that's interesting. And yeah. two things going on there. So first of all, when we do our podcast, there's a, a suite of songs or canon of Reliant K songs that are on the theme of Matt Thiessen being a bad friend. Like it's a super common theme and we call it bad friend Thiessen. It's like a sub character it's like an invisible character of our podcast so this is yeah so this is i think this must be like the prime bad friend teeson song because it was on mtv and it was shortly on the radio 
and it's a known song outside of just real nk fandom so this has got to be like the number one one but then i don't even necessarily hear in the song that it's about like two friends necessarily like it seems like i mean it's such a it's a broad topic and he probably wrote it that way on purpose so it would it would affect or touch anyone but like thinking that it's about like two bandmates two bros like having it out backstage in australia it's like such a specific <laughs> background for what seems like a much more broad song look australia has that effect on people <laughs> like we just turn on each other and we yeah. turn but then like we turn back pretty quickly yeah I feel then like. you, um you crack open a vb and all is forgiven <laughs> yes. so it's so like it's Breakup songs with between band members between it's that and don't speak by no doubt. Ooh, oh, that yeah. is a yeah. And it's it's both involving a bassist. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh. So. I like like I like to think that not in a like because it's a nice thing to think, but to me, like the bassist just sort of wears a lot of like the rubbish from like the lead singer, unless you're in Fallout Boy and then it's the other way around. But like because everyone understands nobody wants to be the bassist. Yeah, but, like, they sort of, they're, like, the pulse of the band. Like, they sort of just roll with the punches. And so, yeah, it totally makes sense that, yeah, poor Brian is all I have to say. <laughs> but I think, like, I always sort of, always, like, I read the lyrics as, because as soon as I saw Bad Friend Tease and I was like, okay, I'm on board. Um <laughs> But I could also see it being someone just grappling with, like, a past version of himself, like, and not in the sense of, like, I don't like the way I treated other people, just, like, I don't like the way I treated myself or, like, I don't like... It's like it's like Dark Link from Zelda. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fights him sh- his shadow self. Yeah. Or Nega Scott, Scott Pilgrim. But, um... Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... All those videos probably exist on YouTube. I just didn't exactly. save them to the list. <laughs> I mean, Shadow the Hedgehog does this. <laughs> yes, I did say... And inevitably, if I'm doing the research and there's a huge amount of tribute videos to TV, show and TV shows and video games and stuff, I'll save the first couple and then same with acoustic covers. I just start skipping over them and I'm just like looking yeah. for the ones that stand out. So I think yeah. Shadow the Hedgehog got in there early before I started... <laughs> judging and clicking <laughs> off too quickly i'm glad shadow made the cut because <laughs> that is prime content right there do you know shadow the hedgehog i do not i'm thinking it's just an evil version of sonic <laughs> it's, it's a it's a it's, it's a misunderstood <laughs> version of sonic oh. a, a, a misunderstood version of sonic with a gun <laughs> Yeah, he has a gun, and it's not like a cute like laser. It's like an AK forty seven or something. It's it's Sonic with a gun. Anyway. So I guess we tick off Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, then, look, <laughs> I, was, I, I was laughing so much at Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh before. my god. Oh. So how about? Uh... <laughs> so I got a couple of videos of Reliant K themselves. There's the Live at Capital series where they like were in the Capitol Records building, the famous one here in Hollywood. And they recorded a couple other acoustic versions of things, including this song. And this is from the session. This is from after the album, after. Mm -hmm. This is from the five score period when they were signed to Capitol Records. So there is an acoustic version. Uh, You guys can check that out. Let's keep moving. You guys can check that out later. But it is like a little brighter and fuller than what they did for Mm -hmm, which kind of makes sense. I'm curious when if i can find this out from the band member that from john schneck that we talked to if, if the 
acoustic version on Punk Goes yep. was recorded when they were still a four piece or if it was recorded when they had the full five member band. Because oh, yeah. as because the live at Capital version is definitely the five member band and it's fuller, it's a little richer. Uh, so I'm curious. Yeah, um, anyway. sorry, that's flattering on our end because our uh. cat is destroying everything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, um, yeah. yeah, so I you guys watch, oh, go ahead. what's that? I hadn't even considered that. Like, mm. I think just because like super simplistic, but like the acoustic version, I just assume there's fewer personnel working mm. on it. So I didn't even think about who like was all the band there. being involved. Yeah. 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 But no, that's cool. Um, I saw you guys watched, I had on my list a Warp Tour 2011 performance where Justin York from Paramore was filling in for Matt Hoops. Yes. So it's funny because, like, again, going back to Paramore, like, of course they have touring members, but I just didn't even think of it because. I don't know. For me, like touring members, I have to sort of be like super duper like versed in a band to like, for instance, Jason White, Jason Freeze for Green Day. I'm like, yep, I know them, blah, blah, blah. Um, super weird one. The lead singer of Yellow Card is the touring guitarist for New Found Glory, but he's not like the studio guitarist. That's cool. Like the last I heard, which was like a year or so ago. Yeah. yeah. Not, well, yeah, because that. They're no longer touring, are they? Yellow card? No. No, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, like it's... So for me, first of all, it was a surprise because I hadn't heard much about Justin York to begin with. But, yeah, he's Taylor York's older brother. So that makes perfect sense that given, like, the Paramore members' backgrounds and their religious upbringing, they would have crossed paths with Reliant K and then Justin would have toured with them. Like, it's... It's interesting, like, it's it's a fit that, like, it makes perfect sense yeah. to me. Um, and, yeah, it's, I always love just seeing those crossovers between bands that are of, like, an equal sort of, like, standing to each other. Yeah. Like, and just sort of having fun with each other's music and sort of vibing off each other in that sense. I always love watching that kind of dynamic happen. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah. So that was... My book report on the Warped Tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it, it was. I mean, it was like it was filmed from someone's cell phone. So right, it so, always yeah. makes me laugh. Like just because I remember when I was younger, being like, "Oh man, I should really like film this song because I love it so much and it's so cool to see it live." It never turns out the way that you expect it to. Right. Like <laughs> someone who's like right up against Mount, like like just completely off key, like. So you can sort of catch glimpses of what the members are doing with their actual vocals, but it's usually just someone like singing way off key right next to the speaker. I can't remember which one it was of these covers. It was definitely a church group one. And it was people in the, like whoever was filming it was laughing with their friends. Oh. And then you could hear someone come up and be like, you shouldn't be talking during the performance. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> So sad. <laughs> which one it was though <laughs> so yeah let's get into the covers officially beautiful there was so there were a couple of karaoke videos that i found <laughs> um, yeah i found here and there with some of their like middle big songs maybe anchorage full team yep. band with church show female singer is that the one where they were talking 
I'm just searching the word church. No. I okay. think it was the one where it was the three girls and the boy and like, yeah, so and it then was like let's the chorus for like, yeah. then that might be Tomahawk 45 church performance. It was the with Let's Crash, the four piece vocal group at a recital with choreography because they had oh, like, okay. Stop, like the oh, line. yes, yes, then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so just, let me play that one for Jessica. I need to see this, please. So, like, the, the people filming, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, am I forgetting it wrong? I hope I'm not forgetting it. No, I don't wrong. think you are. Um, and by all means, feel free to like share screen and we could do like a full sesh because, oh, okay, just yeah, there's something about it. Like, they're just like talking, and then like, I, I'm pretty sure someone comes in and is like, you shouldn't be talking during the performance. <laughs> Maybe there's someone else or one of the people is like, we really shouldn't be talking. And yeah. then I think they just keep talking. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's such a classic teenage move to just like completely dunk on like, your friends <laughs> and then upload it to the internet. They're going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> So it's. You shouldn't be talking during this. You shouldn't be talking. They're doing a good job, damn it. <laughs> but Jessica didn't see the dance moves yet. There we go. <laughs> oh, stop right there. Like. <laughs> so where the crowd went there, they go again. So they, the three girls put their hands up like in a stop motion at the one boy on the stage. Oh. And the boy just looks so uncomfortable. I get this. <laughs> he's maintaining a very strong distance between him and the first girl in the lineup. But just like the way he sort of keeps hugging himself. Like yeah, he doesn't know what to do with his hands. He's but it's so very... far away from everyone else. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't want to be here with my cool swoopy hair. And then they all do little weird little finger point dances. Those are raptor moves. Oh, they're all playing the. They're playing air piano. Oh, I reckon the blonde in the middle like engineered the whole thing. Hundred <laughs> percent. She absolutely looks like she oh. did. She is the most into it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the one in the middle. So. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> all right. Well. It reminds me of that picture of Keanu Reeves, like that he took with a couple of girls, and he's like, he's got his arm around them, but like, but like, he's got the hover hand because it's like he doesn't want to make them uncomfortable. Oh, it's so good, honestly. Like, and like props to them. Like, let's crash. They can hold a tune. Like they, yeah. Like it's such a good effort, but just the fact that their friends are like ragging on it, and then they took the extra step and like, yeah. they were like, well, this will have to do. And little <laughs> did you know that that boy grew up to be Brendan and Yuri. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full circle. Oh my goodness. So what else did you guys like on this list? I. Oh, the, the ha ha idiot one. Oh, okay. that was really That cute. was really cute. Cause we couldn't quite figure out where it was from. Right. Like I said, maybe Indonesia. That's what we were wondering. Or like. Part of me wanted oh, to say wow. the Philippines, but I don't think it is. Could be the Philippines. I don't think so, though. But, like, it's just very wholesome, very, like, just teenagers just hanging out, having a good time with their friends. But just right. the sheer production value in this video is wonderful. And, and they must have gone and recorded it. 
Yes. Yeah. They're like, it's, so they went and re- did a studio production of the song, and then they went and shot a video. Yeah. And outside by the water, and then they cut to this whole story thing. So they really worked on making a whole video. Yeah. Because there are lots of other videos that I see where they perform live and they just use the audio from the live performance and maybe they also yeah. cut in a story. But I very seldom see a full cover performed and then a music video made. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just super wholesome and like... Because yeah, I think in the description they say that they put together for their church group and it just... It would have been so easy to phone it in, but they have like the full scale like music video. They have the narrative running in the background. Like, yeah. And the narrative is like, she's, it's this group of kids and they all are clearly nice kids in real life. But yeah. like, I think the idea is one of them has accidentally joined a gang of like disruptive teenagers and they're going to go around and play a prank on this lady in the food court. Yeah. And and then she later they all pick up baseball bats and stuff like they're all gonna go get in a fight. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And it's probably one of their moms as well. <laughs> yeah. And they're pretending yeah. from her. They're pretending they stole something from the food court. Let me find the where they. They're all gonna go get. Okay, she ran. Hold on. There's like this bit where they're smoking in a circle. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure the cigarette is a cigarette. Okay. Yeah. So look, so they're all going off to fight another gang here, right? They all go pick up their giant sticks, <laughs> and they're all gonna get in a rumble. They're all on their way to a rumble, and then the band itself, the Haha Idiots, really kick into full gear in the video. They're rocking out. And I just love that, like the Toyota Cadillacs. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, he breaks a bottle. He's like, one kid's ready to bring a broken bottle to the fight. <laughs> and the girl who's in over her head now she's pulling back from the group and she runs away and the whole gang turns on her and they're like fuck you <laughs> and then they all catch up to her and beat her to death I'm just kidding she so, so Jessica can see the end but it deserves so many more likes than it has because it's just brilliant so she gets to what I I kind of am assuming is like a church or some sort of community outreach place where yeah. they like let her in and they lock out the gang so she's safe. Because this is especially why I think it's a church because there's a theater she here. Gets a, she gets a dope jacket afterwards gets, as well. They hand her a jacket and she's yeah. going to go watch the Ha Ha Idiots perform. Yeah. <laughs> it's meta. I love it. Oh no, it turned out the gang was the band. <laughs> No, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Just the <laughs> sheer amount of effort they put into it. Like, they obviously loved the song and wanted to do, like, a very earnest tribute to it. Like, yeah. it's just lovely. But, oh, man. Oh, my God. Um, what else do oh, you want yes. to... Oh, yes, brilliant. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so yeah. So, this one, so piano cover. So oh, yeah. <laughs> the piano in itself, like, it's great, but it's just... So, released in... January 2012 and it's just the classic like iMovie sort of setup of like bright backgrounds, white text, lots of like face emoji, like XD and like those zero underscore little case O faces. And... Right. 
And then the whole time, it's just like text on screen talking about how she put the video together <laughs> and why. I don't know why I'm assuming it's a she. I don't know. Most piano covers I see are female, but it has very. That's, that was totally wrong of me to just assume that to assume their gender. Um, the teenage girl energy a forty year old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you have any suggestions for names for my lovely piano, let me know in the comments. Can, can we go down to the comments and see if anyone did leave <laughs> piano suggestions? Oops, I muted it. There we go. We're gonna miss okay. some of the. Nope, no, no comments. No comments. Oh. oh, we should let them know. Do you think we're still looking? Yeah, what should we years? name the what should we name the piano? <laughs> I think bad friend Tyson would be good. What is um, it? Bad friend Tyson. <laughs> you should name your piano. That's not how you spell piano. Piano, bad friend. <laughs> I type really slowly when I'm leaning over our setup here, and I always don't know how to spell Tyson. <laughs> I'm I a bad fan. The I comes first. That's all right. <laughs> oh, bad fan, Dan. <laughs> bad Fred Jason. There and we go. You actually posted it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they need a name for their piano. And we're missing all the text on screen. It's nearly a, a 10 year old video. And then she wrote on here Breaking news the green elephants escaped from the zoo, creating quite a ruckus <laughs> and making the zookeeper quite angry. So that he could not call the police. What? He was so angry and mean and nasty. So basically, like instead of just having like a picture of a piano and saying thanks for listening, here's my cover. Yeah. They're like filling in all this entertaining Listen, font. They learned how to do all this cool stuff in their editing software, <laughs> and they want to show off that knowledge. She did mention koalas, so that's yeah. a that's a shout out to us, I guess. Exactly. Here, and here in sunny Australia. Let's see how this ends. <laughs> well, thank you for listening and watching, I guess. I had fun putting this together, so I hope you had fun watching it. Smiley face. He he he. Yep. yep. <laughs> and lots of emoticon emoticons. Oh yeah, well it's 2012, so emojis were it's, still on Yeah, it's like a classic time capsule of like 2012, <laughs> like random raw XD sort of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I just it, yeah, like I put in a note, like, it's chaotic, but it's oddly wholesome. Like, there's just something about it. I'm like, you know what? Like, you're super annoying, but I love what you're doing. Like, keep it up. So I am sad that no one offered up any piano names until now. So thank you for <laughs> writing that wrong. So uh, you guys marked this one as well. This is Panda Scene 12. So, and this yeah. is. Right, well, um, I'm Alex Huber, and this is my man and guitarist, Daniel Peterson. Too British. And I'm, uh, <laughs> so, so many takes. Um, You're so, right. Of uh, who I am, hey, too, I've been made famous by Reliant K. And they're like at a school with like sweaters and ties and yeah. button-up shirts. Yeah, I mean, that was basically your country. I know. Oh, that was pretty much my school uniform. Okay. So I'm on board. My school in my last year tried to become like a private school. <laughs> like, let's do blazers and ties and stuff. No. And we're like, nah, we're, oh. we're public. We know who we are. That's a, like, I graduated in a class of seven students. And yet our school thought that it was like big enough to warrant, 
yeah, we'll purchase like expensive blazers and ties and mm. button down shirts. And the girls yeah. had to wear coats until we finally lobbied to be able to wear trousers. And <laughs> and this is like a country, a country, a school in like country Victoria, like middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. And yeah, like summer days, it can get to like 38 39 40 degrees celsius oh, keep going um, we don't yeah. we don't know what that is to be fair enough. you already Sorry. said celsius so i was gonna be like oh you need i know then. <laughs> <laughs> so no i'm 100 percent on board with their uniform i feel their pain although the guitarist celsius has got like a kind of loose tie going so yeah he's, he's, he's cool yeah. yeah i just asked siri and that's 102 degrees fahrenheit oh wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, like, to be fair, we that was our winter uniform, but our summer uniform was just as stuffy. Like, <laughs> I remember when I was young watching something and they were talking about degrees in Fahrenheit. Well, it's like, they were like, oh, it's 105 degrees out there. I'm like, wow, it gets hot in America. <laughs> it gets really hot. Really hot. Like, dangerously wow. high up there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, so, yeah, save uh, Panda Scene 12. It's just. And I knew there's, I've seen emo culture stuff in England before, but it never ceases to amaze me since it feels like such a specific American thing. Yeah. And because he's got the swooped well, hair. He does not know doing, what he's doing. Yeah. Drumming yeah. with his hands. To be fair, like, I'm always very jealous of people who can hold a tune the way he can. Like, not that I go around like singing out loud in public, but. This guy, like, he's confident and he's got the vocal chops to, to like, at least the half decent. And he sounds British when he sings as and well. He, yeah, yeah it's, he, it's a weird mix of, like, the yeah. SoCal, like, emo voice, emo boy voice with a British yeah. accent. And that's, like, because, yeah, like, growing up listening to this, you take the sort of the SoCal or even just any sort of type of American accent as the standard but mm. we also need to remember like for us for like in yeah in the uk like that's not the default but so yeah. many of like bands that we grew up with or we might have dabbled in you do try and emulate an accent that isn't yours yeah. and because the alternative is like singing in a really ocker sort of like, yeah. I'm sorry for the thing person I became. Like, Hounds, <laughs> Hounds Like Houses do it do it good. Yeah. Like, they, they do the Australian accent with the good singing. But, yeah, I've heard some bands that's, like, very much just sounding like the way I'm talking. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm There's, good. <laughs> you do get sort of, like, twinges of, like, it's probably the closest thing I feel to, like, national, like, sort of pride is when you hear a decent musician with an Aussie voice. Yeah. Because there's not much else to be proud of as an Australian. <laughs> um, but it's nice when they can sort of... So you mean like Iggy Azalea, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah she's a national treasure over here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, like Hands Like Houses or I'm trying to think about the ones I can't think off the top of my head, but it's just, it's very sweet to be able to hear their actual accent and that they're, they're not trying to copy like... Yeah. I remember when she was coming back here to do like, she was a judge on The Voice or something. And she was basically like, I don't want to come back to Australia, but like, I'm from here. So I guess I'll do it. I feel like everyone was like, well, good. We don't want yeah, to it's come like, back. It's like, go back to America. It's fine. <laughs> All right. What's next? So 
uh, on the so piano dreamers are a consistent topic for us here. And nice. your comment, your note was does oh does what it says on the box. That's what it says on the box. It's yeah. a piano cover. So gotcha. it's like it's very like it's talented. Um, right. I think again because I don't have the music theory chops to be able to comment much beyond it's really well done. Mm. Like. And I always find it a bit jarring, like, of course you have to do this with a piano cover, but it's always interesting or, like, a bit jarring to hear them doing the vocal melody as part of the song. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like, of course you have to, because that's part of, like, one of the key elements that makes the song so recognisable. But, yeah, I always find it a bit, like, when I'm listening to a piano cover, I'm like, oh, like... <laughs> I, I was expecting less from it. Like, it's there's more to it than I was expecting as well. Yeah. So, and it's probably because of, yeah, as you said, like putting in the, the vocal melodies yeah. in the piano. And this is the same for all their stuff. So we don't really know who or what is behind the Piano Dreamers, but they are one of those like cover bot companies basically where it's like one of those like record labels or entertainment companies where it's just their job to grind out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of covers and yeah, yeah. just inundate streaming services with them. So if you look on Spotify or Apple Music, you'll find this exact same version uploaded four times as different things like the piano. We call it the Piano Dreamers because that's there was a published CD and it was Piano Dreamers, but you'll yeah. also find it like as the piano tribute players and Christian rock tribute players and like piano time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's always a different cover and stuff. So this is like definitely a cover bot sort of thing. And yeah. we always check it out, which is, you know, similar to, and this kind of gets the trifecta of those, of these like legally published tribute albums that you'll see for a lot of bands. And Sparrow Sleeps is one, but I don't, I know yes. Sparrow Sleeps isn't a cover bot company because they are real people and they actually do this for a living and they put this music out. But like this, these other ones, like guitar tribute players, that's another one where it's like this faceless. Oh, and it oddly has the. Yeah, it like the thumbnail the is the punk, punk goes, but that's it. incorrect. Yeah. So here's acoustic tribute to Reliant K. And again, this is like a faceless um, thing that we come across all the time where it's like no one's going to know who the musicians are that made this. And yeah. there's yeah. dozens of publications of this same track on YouTube, on Spotify. It's yeah, super because like, for instance, like Sparrow Sleeps, those kinds of ones, I equate them with like when I was a teenager, the big one was um, the Vitamin String Quartet. So right. yeah. like very, like those orchestral arrangements of like My Chemical Romance or Blink-182 or something yeah. like that. And that's like, they're an institution, like that's their career. It's the same people at least, like, or like same sort of conglomerate. But of course, like, it makes perfect sense that cover bots are now a thing. Like, mm. but I'd I hadn't quite connected the dots. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of depressing because there is a very talented musician behind this, yeah. but it just strips away exactly like the whole point of listening to covers is like discovering new musicians and their take on things. But instead, it's just like okay, so here's some very pleasant music, but I have no idea about the person who did it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay, and the Vitamin String Quartet, and I was just double checking because I realized there was no... 
Yeah, vitamin, that's surprising because there are a bunch of vitamin string quartet covers. And for some reason, I don't think yeah. they didn't do this song for some reason. And the vitamin string quartet was one that I thought was a cover about company for the longest time. I thought they were faceless musicians, but you can actually go to the vitamin string quartets uh, website and they're like a real yeah. group and they really, you can actually figure out who they are as opposed to these yeah. cover bots where it's like, I don't know how they work. If it's just one company and do they farm out covers to different musicians and they're like, just make us a cover and it's going to be swallowed up by our publishing company and you know, no one will know specifically who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think like the only reason I know that Vitamin String Quartet are legit is because they were around when I was a kid. So like they sort of came before the days of oh, right. running up like views and things like that. Yeah. But again, like on the other end of the coin, I just never considered that like outside of like those creepy like Elsa Gate videos. Like, of course, there are people who were just like farming musical content the same yeah. way, yeah. which yeah. depressing when you think about it. But hopefully someone's getting some half decent like publishing rights. To, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. Well, so there's no vitamin string quartet for this, but there is one that's it's strange because picking on Relying K, the, blue, the bluegrass tribute. This was this existed before streaming as well and was on CD. The CD is super expensive now because oh, I guess wow. it, no one bought no one bought it at the time. So now it's rare and it's gone up in price. But um, this is another one of those tribute companies that just do bluegrass tributes to all kinds of bands. And they did a Relay yeah. K one and they did Who I Am, Who I've Been. What song is this? Who I Am. <laughs> I'm kidding, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> well, they spelled it wrong. It says who I am, hate who I've been. Yeah. You might think losing my mind, I shy away from the specifics. See, I enjoy this kind of stuff because I went to not. Jessica's not into it. It's the vocals. The vocals throw me. He's a little, he's like a little wistful. He's like, oh, yeah. yeah. But I definitely feel like I'm in line waiting to get a table at Cracker Barrel, which is, this, I don't know if you've heard, I, I, can't, I can't imagine you have it, but have you ever heard of it? It's like the Southern. Cracker Barrel is, I used to work for like a market research company that had US clients. So like okay. I have a vague, like sketched out idea of what Cracker Barrel means. Okay. And like, so your summation of it, that aligns with what I think. So <laughs> yeah. I'm still very comfortable in saying, yes, I know what Cracker Barrel is. I only know it because of these wrestlers that I follow. They had like a big thing and they were doing a show. And like, they have a television show now, but they were doing a show and they got sponsored by Cracker Barrel. And they actually did a spot where one of the guys had a barrel and like rolled it in another one and like Donkey Konged over it. I don't even know what they do in Cracker Barrel besides have crackers and barrels, but like. I think because we also have Cracker Barrel brand cheese over here, but I don't. We do have Cracker Barrel. I yeah, don't we have that too, but they're not yeah, connected. Okay. Yeah. But actually, like, we don't have a restaurant. It's just the cheese. So I just, I literally picture a restaurant where you just eat cheese and crackers, which I know is absolutely <laughs> not true. Although I wish it were. Have you ever guys ever been to like a Hard Rock Cafe or a Planet Hollywood or one of those kind of restaurants? where there's yeah, We like have Hard Rock stuff? over here. Yeah. I don't even know where we have Hard Rock. There's though. one in Sydney still. There oh, okay. used to be one in Melbourne, but it <laughs> closed years ago. Yeah. But the one in Sydney, they have one of Taylor Swift's outfits. So I was like, yes. Do they have a Planet Hollywood in like Dreamworld or something? 
Possibly? Mo- movie world? I don't know. Yeah. That's so imagine that, but like it's just Southern stuff on the walls. Yeah. And like that's what they're exhibiting. You know what it's like? It's like how we took your culture and bastardized it for Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, we don't even have blooming onions over here. I know. We don't even have, we don't even have that over here. Well, we took our own Southern culture in America and we bastardized <laughs> it into the Cracker Barrel restaurant. So it's like fried chicken and like grits and fried yeah. fried apples. Southern comfort food. Southern comfort food. There's also like, but there's also general stuff that's not specifically Southern. Like you could just get- Old people. Like yeah, just food. You can get old people. Yeah, <laughs> they serve old people. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a diet. It also has like diner food, like eggs and pancakes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I re- actually speaking of thinking of Christian music and stuff, there was a Christian rap rock group from Australia called Beanbag. Uh, oh, never heard. Yeah, <laughs> I'll see if I, mean, I can track them down for you. Though. <laughs> The well, only rap rock group I can think of is 28 Days and they were not good. Okay. <laughs> they were like Australia's Limp Biscuit. Yeah. So I guess Beanbag tried to be Australia's Limp Biscuit, but they were Christian and they did a tour. They, and they were like a small band. I think they, by all accounts in every country, they were a small band, but they did have an American tour from whatever Christian record label they were on. And yeah. they played a small show with like 25 people there in New Hampshire. I saw them. And so we like talked with them a bunch. And this goes back to our Manic Monday discussion of how like it was easy to talk to many different kinds of bands at different shows. And a lot of of mid-level bands would play at this specific club. But in this case, it was like an off night, beanbag, an Australian (laughs) Christian rap rock group. And this is like 2000. (laughs) This is like 99 or 2000. So after the show was over, they just hung out with us like dorky, teenagers and we're just hanging out because they had nothing else to do oh they couldn't get a hotel that night because it was new hampshire and it was leaf peeping season and like in new hampshire like every hotel is full because like all the trees and they turn orange in the fall like you can't get you can't get a hotel in new hampshire in the fall anyway um i asked them the dorky question you ask every australian you meet when you're an american and i said like oh what do you think outback steakhouse and his thing was like, we never put cheese on fries. Do you think that's still no. true? No. Okay. <laughs> We've sort of started to do it, but it's like, it's definitely for like, if there's like kitschy, like American diners yeah. over here. Gotcha. Also, we don't call them bean bags. We call them lumpy sacks over here. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that band broke up because they were on tour and they flipped Oh, no. Oh, no, bean bag. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think they had two albums. Check them out if you're interested. I'm going to do a deep dive. I want to try and track them down for you and I'll hook you guys up. Because um, it's pretty incredible. Like any sort of like 2000s even era sort of band that has since disbanded, it's incredibly easy to find what they've been doing since. Like oh, okay, if you sort of, you reach a certain tier of popularity over here and then somehow the media still has tabs on you like it'll be like this front man is now an accountant in sydney yeah. it's just like oh okay. it's mostly they're an accountant or they work in a warehouse yeah like on the forklift which somewhere. honestly like good for them because yeah. the australian music industry is a bit cooked but um yeah so yeah. i'm gonna try and find them for you i mean it's no <laughs> wonder like someone like iggy azalea would go to america yeah. to like become a huge star yeah they're sort of i think we talked about this last time but like there's no 
in-between level. Like either yeah. you sort of play pubs and you just sort of make a living that way or you skyrocket and then you have to sort of market yourself overseas. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like Kylie Minogue is our, you know, music royalty, I guess. Yes. Yeah. But- Ooh, the best. Well, sorry, I'm just looking at the shared screen. The best. So you guys of- didn't. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, you didn't mark this one, but I want to make sure to play it. This is uploaded by Sky Rivera on YouTube, yep. 2013, and this isn't even like a cover cover. It's just some kids hanging out like outside a mall at a picnic table. I think I saw a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say they're hanging out outside a Cracker Barrel. It does look like a Cracker Barrel building. <laughs> so it's just a hor- It's a vertical camera phone video. Oh, they're both just two camera phones there. The other one's horizontal. And they're just hanging out at a picnic table with their, their helmets and their pads, and they clearly biked or skateboarded there, and they're just hanging out, rocking out. It was like our favorite one had two comments. Yeah, it. I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on a bad day, I would probably start crying. Like I would miss this kind of like. Yeah, there's this meme that's like I don't know if it's the same in the US, but like there's this meme where it's like everyone who owned one of these furniture sets, like outdoor furniture sets, like always had like really intense conversations at 3am. Oh, it's like the white plastic chairs. It's like very specific, like white plastic chairs or it's the like glass table, like yeah. outdoor setting. Yeah. Like it's just a very specific marker for like, yeah, like you hang here and you talk shit with your friends and get super deep into things. Like that is giving me That's that so same true, feeling though. of like, oh, I miss that. Yeah. <laughs> That's really sweet. Stop right there, that's exactly where I lost it. See that line, I never should have crossed it. Thanks for listening and catch us next week as we do part two.